Act One of the Wonder Working Magician by Pedro Calderon de la Barca. Translated by Dennis Florence McCarthy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. To the memory of Shelley, whose admiration for the light and odor of the flowery and starry autos is the highest tribute to the beauty of Calderon's poetry, this drama is inscribed. Persons Cyprian, read by Adrian Stevens. Demon, read by Todd. Lelius, the governor of Antioch's son, read by Kristen Hand. Floris, friend of Lelius, read by Adam Bielka. Moscon, servant to Cyprian, read by Alan Mapstone. Clarin, servant of Cyprian, read by Thomas Peter. The Governor of Antioch, read by Algie Pug. Fabius, his servant, read by Timothy Ferguson. Lysander, the reputed father of Justina, read by Larry Wilson. Justina, read by Jeanne Verai. Livia, her maid, read by T.J. Burns. Servant, read by Craig Franklin. A Soldier, Chorus, People, Voice Within, read by Kimberly Shoemaker. Chorus of Voices, read by Alan Mapstone. A Voice, read by Nemo. A Phantom Figure of Justina, read by Eva Davis. The Skeleton, read by Lian Yao. Stage Directions read by sonia scene antioch and its environs the wonder-working magician act the first scene one a wood near antioch enter cyprian in a student's gown followed by clarin and moscon as poor scholars carrying books in the pleasant solitude of this tranquil spot this thicket formed of interlacing boughs buds and flowers and shrubs commingled you may leave me leaving also as my best companions with me for i need none else those books which i bade you to bring hither from the house for while to-day antioch the mighty city celebrates with such rejoicing the great temple newly finished unto jupiter the bearing thither also of his image publicly in grand procession to its shrine to be uplifted i escaping the confusion of the streets and squares have flitted hitherward to spend in study what of daylight yet may glimmer go enjoy the festival go to antioch and mingle in its various sports returning when the sun descending sinketh to be buried in the waves which beneath the dark clouds fringes round the royal course of gold shine like sepulchres of silver here you'll find me sir although most decidedly my wish is to behold the sports yet i cannot go without a whisper of some few five thousand words which i'll give you in a jiffy can it be that on a day of such free such unrestricted revelry and mirth and fun you with your old 
books come hither to this country place rejecting all the frolics of the city well i think my master's right there's nothing more insipid than a grand procession day half fandangos priests and fiddles clarion from the first to last all your life you've been a trickster a smart temporizing toady a bold flatterer a trimmer since you praise the thoughts of others and ne'er speak your own the civil way to tell a man he lies is to say he's wrong you twig me now i think i speak my mind moscon clarin both i bid ye cease this silly altercation it is ever thus betwixt ye puffed up with your little knowledge each maintains his own opinion go and as i've said here seek me when night falls and with the thickness of its shadows veils from view this most fair and wondrous system of the universe how comes it that although you have admitted tis not right to see the feast yet you go to see it simple is the answer no one follows the advice which he has given to another moscon aside to see livia would the gods that i were winged exit clarin aside if the honest truth were told livia is the girl that gives me something worth the living for even her name has in it this assurance livia yes minus a i live for livy exit scene two now i am alone and may if my mind can be so lifted study the great problem which keeps my soul disturbed bewildered since i read in pliny's page the mysterious words there written which define a god because it doth seem beyond the limits of my intellect to find one who all those signs exhibits this mysterious hidden truth must i seek for reads scene three enter the demon in gala dress cyprian demon aside though thou givest all thy thoughts to the research cyprian thou must ever miss it since i'll hide it from thy mind there's a rustling in this thicket who is there who art thou sir a mere stranger who has ridden all this morning up and down these dark roads not knowing whither having lost my way my horse to the emerald that encircles with a tapestry of green these lone hills i've loosed it gives him at the same time food and rest i'm to antioch bound on business of importance my companions i have parted from through listless lapse of thought a thing that happens to the most of earthly pilgrims i have lost my way and lost comrades servants and assistants i am much surprised to learn that in view of the uplifted towers of antioch you thus lost your way there's not a single path that on this mountain side more or less by feet imprinted but doth lead unto its walls as to its one central limit by whatever path you take you'll go right it is an instance of that ignorance which in sight even of truth the true goal misses and as it appears not wise thus to enter a strange city unattended and unknown asking even my way 
tis fitter that till night doth conquer day here while light doth last to linger by your dress and by these books round you like a learned circle of wise friends i see you are a great student and the instinct of my soul doth ever draw me unto men to books addicted have you studied much well no but i've knowledge quite sufficient not to be deemed ignorant then what sciences know you many why we cannot reach even one after years of studious vigil and can you what vanity without study know so many yes for i am of a country where the most exalted science needs no study to be known would i were a happy inmate of that country here our studies prove our ignorance more no figment is the fact that without study i had the superb ambition for the first professor's chair to compete and thought to win it having very numerous votes and although i failed sufficient glory is it to have tried for not always to the winner is the fame if this you doubt name the subject of your study and then let us argue on it i not knowing your opinion even although it be the right shall the opposite view insist on i am greatly gratified that you make this proposition here in plinius is a passage which much anxious thought doth give me how to understand to know who's the god of whom he has written tis that passage which declares well i know the words this dictum god is one supremest good one pure essence one existence self-sustained all sight all hands yes tis true and what is in it so abstruse i cannot find such a god as plinius figures if he be the highest good then is jupiter deficient in that attribute we see him acting like a mortal sinner many a time this danae this europa too doth witness can then by the highest good all whose actions all whose instincts should be sacred and divine human frailty be committed these are fables which the learned first made use of to exhibit underneath the names of gods what in truth was but a hidden system of philosophy this reply is not sufficient since such awe is due to god none should dare to him attribute none should stain his name with sins though these sins should be fictitious and considering well the case if the highest good is figured by the gods of course they must will what is best and fittest how then can some gods wish one thing some another this we witness in the dubious responses which are by their statues given here you cannot say i speak of learned abstractions of the ideal to two armies if two shrines promise give of being victors one of course must lose the battle the conclusion is so simple need i say it that two wills mutually antagonistic cannot lead unto one end they being thus in opposition one we must consider good one as bad we must consider but an evil willing god would imply a contradiction then the highest good can dwell not among gods who know division i deny your major since these responses may be given by the oracles for ends which our intellectual vision cannot reach tis providence 
thus more good may have arisen to the loser in that battle than its gain could bring the winner granted but that god ought not for the gods are not malicious to have promised victory it would have been quite sufficient without this most false assurance the defeat to have been permitted then if god must be all sight every god should see distinctly with clear vision to the end seeing that he erred in fixing on a false conclusion then though the deity may with fitness be divided into persons yet his essence must be single in the smallest circumstance it was needful for this business that the oracle should rouse the two hosts alike if fitting there were genii that could rouse them good and bad as they are distinguished by the learned who are in fact spirits who among us mingle and who good and evil acts evil thoughts suggest and whisper a convincing argument for the immortal soul's existence of these ministers could god have made for use nor thus exhibit he was capable of a lie to effect his ends consider that these seeming contradictions cannot our firm faith diminish in the oneness of the gods if in things of higher import they know not of dissonance take man's wondrous frame for instance surely that majestic structure once conception doth exhibit if man's maker then were one he some vantage must have given him o'er the others and if they all are equal tis admitted that they are so from the fact of their mutual opposition to each other when the thought of creating man was hinted by one god another could say no no i do not wish it then if god must be all hands time might come when they would differ one creating one undoing ere the other's work was finished since the power of each was equal but unequal were their wishes which of these two powers would conquer on impossible and false issues there can be no argument but your premises admitting say what then that there must be one sole god all hands or vision good supreme supreme in grace one who cannot err omniscient one the highest none can equal not beginning yet the beginner one pure essence one sole substance one wise worker one sole willer and though he in one or two or more persons be distinguished yet the sovereign deity must be one sublime and single the first cause of every cause the first germ of all existence how can i deny so clear so conclusive a position they rise do you feel it who would not feel to find another quicker in the rivalry of wit and though i am not deficient in an answer i restrain it hearing steps approaching hither through the wood besides tis time i proceed to the city go in peace remain in peace aside so involved in study is he that i now must wean him from it weaving round him the bewitchment of rare beauty since i have leave to attempt my fires to kindle in justina's breast one stroke thus two vengeances shall give me exit never saw i such a man but since still my people linger i the cause of so much doubt will now strive to reconsider he resumes his reading without perceiving the approach of those who enter scene four 
enter lelius and florus cyprian further let us not proceed for these rocks these boughs so thickly interwoven that the sun cannot even find admittance shall be the sole witnesses of our duel then this instant draw your sword for here are deeds if in words elsewhere we've striven yes i know that in the field while the tongue is mute the glitter of the sword speaks thus they fight what's this hold good florus lelius listen here until your rage is calmed even unarmed i stand betwixt ye thus to interrupt my vengeance whence o cyprian have you risen like a spectre a wild wood god have you from these tree trunks issued scene five enter moscon and clarin yonder where we left our master i hear sword strokes run run quickly well except to run away i am anything but nimble truly a retiring person sir, sir. no more your gabble irks me how what's this two noble friends who in blood in birth in lineage are to-day of antioch all its expectancy the city's eye of fashion one the son of the governor of the princely house colalto one the heir thus to peril as of little value to such precious lives to their country and their kindred cyprian although respect which on many grounds i give thee holds my sword suspended thus in due deference for an instant to the scabbard's calm repose it hath got no power to win it thou of science knowest more than the duel pretermitting this that when two nobles meet in this field no power can link them friends again save this that one must his life give as a victim this i also say and ask thee with thy people that thou quittest leaving us to end our quarrel without any help or hindrance though it seems to you my calling makes me know the laws but little of the duel that strict code valour and vain pride have written you are wrong for i was born with the obligations fitting rank like yours to know in truth infamy and honour's limits the devotion to my studies has my courage not diminished for they oftentimes shake hands arms and letters as though kinsmen if to meet here in the field was the quarrel's first condition having met and fought its lies calumny can never whisper and the cause you thus can tell me of the feud that brings you hither for i promise if on hearing what to me is thus committed i perceive that satisfaction must on either side be given here to leave you both alone unobserved by any witness then on this condition solely that you leave us when the bitter truth is told to end our quarrel i to tell the cause am willing i a certain lady love the same lady as his mistress florus also loves now see how incompatible are our wishes since betwixt two jealous nobles no mediation is admitted i this lady love so much that the sunlight i would hinder from beholding her sweet face since then all interposition is in vain pray stand aside and our quarrel let us finish stay for one more thing i'd know tell me this of your fair mistress is she possible to your hopes or impossible to your wishes oh she is so good and wise that if even the sun enkindled jealousy in the heart of florus it was jealousy pure and simple without cause for even the sun dare not look upon her visage 
Would you marry with her then? This is all my heart's ambition. And would you? Ah, would to heaven, I were destined for such blisses. For although she's very poor, virtue dowers her with its riches. If you both aspire to wed her, is it not an act most wicked, most unworthy thus beforehand, her unspotted fame to injure? What will say the world, if one of you two shall marry with her, after having killed the other for her sake? The supposition is not probable, in fact, to imagine it is sufficient. I by no means say you should. Each your chances try to win her at one time, for I would blush such a craven proposition came from me, because the lover who could keep his jealousy hidden would condone even shame thereafter were the opportunity given. But I say that you should learn which of you it is your mistress gives the preference to then. Stay, for it were an act too timid, too faint-hearted thus to ask of a lady such admission as the choosing him or me. For if me she chose, more fixed is my call for satisfaction. For his fault has this addition, he loves one who loves but me. If to him the choice is given, this intensifies my anger all the more, that she, my mistress, whom I love, should love another. Her selection could do little in the matter, which at last to our swords should be committed, the accepted for his honor, the refused for his dismissal. I confess that I adopt altogether that opinion. Still the privilege of selection may to ladies be permitted. So today I mean to ask her of her father. Tis sufficient to have come here to the field, and my naked sword uplifted, especially as one is by who the further fight resisteth. For my honor, so to sheath, Lelius, my sword I'm willing. Sheaths his sword. By your argument and action, Floris, you have half convinced me. I forego the remaining half. True or false, I thus act with you. Sheaths his sword. I today will seek her father. On, of course, the supposition that this lady you pay court to suffers naught by the admission, since you both have spoken proudly of her virtue and her strictness. Tell me who she is, for I, who am held throughout the city in esteem, would for you both speak to her at first a little, that she thus may be prepared when her father tells your wishes. You are right. Her name? Justina, daughter of Lysander. Little, now that I have heard her name, seem the praises you have given her. She's virtuous as she's noble. Instantly I'll pay my visit. Floris aside. May heaven grant that in my favor her cold heart be moved to pity. Exit. Love, my hopes with laurel crown when they are to her submitted. Exit. Further mischief or misfortune, grant me heaven that I may hinder. Exit. Scene six. Moscon Clarin. As your worship heard our master now is gone to pay a visit to Justina. Yes, my lord, but what matter if he didn't? Matter quite enough, your worship. He has no business there. Why, prithee? Why? Because I die for Livia, who is maid to this Justina, and I wouldn't have even the sun get a glimpse of her through the window. Well, that's good. 
but for a lady to contend were worse than silly whom i mean to make my wife excellent faith the fancy tickles quite my fancy let her say who it is that annoys or nicks her to a nicety let's go and see her and she'll choose a good idea though i fear she'll pitch on you have you then that wise suspicion yes for always these same livias choose the worst in grateful minxes exeunt scene seven a hall in the house of lysander enter justina and lysander consolation sir is vain after what i've seen to-day the whole city madly gay error-blinded and insane consecrating shrine and fane to an image which i know cannot be a god although some demoniac power may pass making breathe the silent brass as a proof that it is so fair justina thou indeed wert not who thou art if thou didst not weep as thou dost now didst not in thy pure heart bleed for what christ's divinest creed suffers on this sinful day thus my lineage i display for thy child i could not be could i without weeping see this idolatrous display ah my good gentle maid thou art not my daughter no twere too happy if twere so but o oh god oh, what's this i've said my life's secret is betrayed twas my soul that spoke aloud what do you say sir oh a crowd of old thoughts my heart hath stirred many times methought i heard what but now ye have avowed and yet never wished to hear at the risk perchance of paining a more accurate explaining of your sorrow and my fear but since now it doth appear right that i should be possessed of the whole truth half confessed let me say though bold appearing trust your secret to my hearing since it hath escaped your breast ah justina i have long kept this secret from your ears fearing from your tender years that the telling might be wrong but now seeing you are strong firm in thought in action brave seeing too that with this stave i go creeping o'er the ground rapping with a hollow sound at the portals of the grave knowing that my time is brief i would not here leave you no in your ignorance i owe my own peace to this relief then attentive to my grief let your pleasure list a fear struggles in my breast severe as the test my duty pays from this most perplexing maze o oh, sir rescue me then hear i most beautiful justina am lysander this commencement with my name need not surprise you for though known to you already it is right for all that follows that it should be well remembered since of me you know no more than what this my name presenteth yes i am lysander son of that city which on seven hills a hydra seems of stone since its seven proud heads erecteth of that city now the seat of the mighty roman empire cradle of christ's wider realm boon that rome alone could merit there of poor and humble parents i was born if poor expresses well their rank who left behind them virtues not vain earthly treasures both of them by birth were christians 
joyful both to be descended from brave sires who with their blood haply life's page had reddened terminating the dull scroll with death's bright emblazoned letters in the christian faith well grounded i grew up and so well learnt it that i would in its defence even a thousand lives surrender i was still young when to rome in disguise and ill-attended came our good pope alexander who then prudently directed the high apostolic see though its place there was not settled for as the despotic power of the stern and cruel gentiles satisfies its thirst with blood from the martyrs veins that shed it so must still the primitive church keep concealed its sons and servants not that they decline to die not that martyrdom is dreaded but that rebel rage should not at one stroke one hour of vengeance triumph o'er the ruined church so that no one should be left it who could preach and teach the word who could catechize the gentile alexander being in rome i was secretly presented to him there and from his hand which was graciously extended with his blessing i received holy orders which the seraphs well might envy me since man only such an honour merits alexander is my mission unto antioch then sent me where the law of christ in secret i should preach with glad contentment i obeyed and at their mercy through so many nations wending came at length to antioch and when i these hills ascending saw beneath me the valley all its golden towers and temples the sun failed me and down sinking drew with him the day presenting for my solace a companion and a substitute for his presence in the light of stars a pledge that he'd soon return to bless me with the sun i lost my way and then wandering dejected through the windings of the forest found me in the dim recesses of a natural bower wherein even the numerous rays that trembled downward from each living torch could in no ways find an entrance for to black clouds turned the leaves that by day were green with freshness here arranging to wait the new sun's reviving presence giving fancy that full scope that wide range which it possesses i in solitude indulged many and many a deep reflection thus absorbed i was in thought when there came to me the echo of a sigh half heard for half to its owner retroverted then collecting in mine ear all my senses joined together i again heard more distinctly that weak cry that faint expression that mute idiom of the sad since by it they're comprehended from a woman came that groan to whose sigh so low and gentle followed a man's deeper voice who thus speaking low addressed her thou first stain of noblest blood by my hands this moment perish ere thou meetest with thy death neath the hands of infamous headsmen then the hapless woman said in a voice that sobbed and trembled ah lament for thine own blood but for me do not lament thee i attempted then to reach them that the stroke might be prevented but i could not since the voices at that moment ceased and ended and a horseman rode away among the tree-trunks undetected lodestone of my deep compassion was that voice which still exerted all its failing powers to speak amid the groans and tears this sentence dying innocent and a christian 
I a martyr's death may merit. Following the polar star of the voice, I came directly where the gloom revealed a woman, though I could not well observe her, who in life's despairing struggle, hand to hand with death, contended. Scarcely was I heard when she, summoning up her strength, addressed me. Blood-stained, murderer, mine, come back, nor in this last hour desert me of my life. I am, said I, only one whom chance hath sent here, guided it may be by heaven to assist you in this dreadful hour of trial. Vain, she said, is the favor that your mercy offers to my life, for see drop by drop the life-stream ebbeth, let this hapless one enjoy it, who it seems that heaven intendeth, being born upon my grave, all my misery should inherit. So she died, and then I... Scene 8. Livia, Justina, and Lysander. Enter Livia. Sir, the same tradesman who so presses to be paid comes here to seek you, by the magistrate attended. That you were not in, I told him. By that door you have an exit. <sighs> this untimely interruption by their coming, how it frets me! For upon your tragic story, life, soul, reason, all depended. But retire, sir, lest the justice should here meet you if he enters. Ah, with what indignities poverty must be contented! Exit. They are coming here, no doubt. Outside I can hear some persons. No, they are not they. I see it is Cyprian. How? What sendeth Cyprian here? Scene 9. Enter Cyprian, Clarin, and Moscon. A wish to serve you is the sole cause of my presence, for on seeing the officials issuing from your house, the friendship which I owe unto Lysander made me bold herein to enter, but to know, aside, disturbed, bewildered am I, if by chance, aside, what gelid frost is freezing up my veins, I in any way could help you, aside, ah, how badly I have spoken! Fire, not frost, my blood possesses. May heaven guard you many years, since in his more grave concernments thus you honour my dear father with your favours. I shall ever be most gratified to serve you. Aside. What disturbs me? What unnerves me? He is not just now at home. Thus, then, lady, I can better tell you what is the true cause that doth bring me here at present for the cause that you have heard is not that which wholly led me here to see you then what is it this which craves your brief attention fair justinia beauty's shrine to whose human loveliness nature with a fond excess adds such marks of the divine tis your rest that doth incline hither my desire to-day but see what the tyrant sway of despotic fate can do while I bring your rest to you, you from me take mine away. Lelius, of his passion proud, never less was love to blame. Florius, burning with love's flame, ne'er could flame be more allowed. Each of them, by vows they vowed, sought to kill his friend for you. I for you disturbed the two. Woe is me! But see the end! while from death i saved my friend you my own death gave in lieu 
lest the scandal-mongers hum should be buzzed about your name here to speak with you i came would that i had never come that your choice might strike it dumb being the umpire in the cause being the judge in love's sweet laws but behold what i endure while i their sick hearts may cure jealousy mine own heart gnaws lady i propose to be their bold spokesman here that you might decide betwixt the two which you would select ah me that i might o oh, misery ask you of your father vain this pretence no more i'll feign for you see while i'm speaking about them my heart is seeking but a vent for its own pain half in wonder and dismay at the vile address you make me reason speech alike forsake me and i know not what to say never in the slightest way have your clients had from me encouragement for this embassy florus never lelius no of the scorn that i can show let then this a warning be if i knowing that you loved some one else would dare to seek your regard my love were weak and could justly be reproved but here seeing you stand unmoved like a rock mid raging seas no extraneous miseries make me say i love you now tis not for my friends i bow so your warning here with ease to lelius what shall i say that he well may trust the boding fears of his love of many years to florius not my face to see and to myself your love should be not so bold though a god should woo will a god do more for you than for those i have denied yes well then i have replied to lelius florus and to you exeunt justina and cyprian at opposite sides scene ten clarin moscon and livia livia hi and livia ho list good lass we're here we two well what want you sir and you what do you want we both would show if perchance you do not know that we love you to distraction on a murderous transaction we came here to kill each other so to put an end to the bother just choose one for satisfaction why the thing that you are demanding is so great it hath bereft me of my wits my grief hath left me without sense or understanding choose but one my heart expanding beats so hard a straight to shun i one only tis for fun that you ask me so to do for with heart enough for two why require that i choose one two at once would you have to woo would not two embarrass you pray no we women have a way to dispose of them two by two what's the way do tell us do what is it speak you put one out i would love them do not doubt how alternatively eh what's alternatively tis to say that i would love them day about exit well i choose to-day good-bye i to-morrow the better part so i give it with all my heart livia in fine for whom i die 
today love me and today love i happy is he who so much can say hearken my friend you know my way why this speech does a threat lie in it mind she is not yours a minute after the clock strikes twelve to-day exeunt scene eleven the street before lysander's house night enter floris and lelius at opposite sides not seeing each other lelius aside scarcely has the darksome night or the brow of heaven extended its black veil when i come hither to adore this sacred threshold for although at cyprian's prayer i my sharp sword have suspended i have not my love for love cannot be suspended ever floris aside here the dawn will find me waiting here because tis force compels me to go hence for i elsewhere am away from my true centre would to love the day had come and with it the dear expected answer cyprian may bring me risking all upon that venture lelius aside i have surely in that window heard a noise floris aside some sound descends here from that balcony scene twelve the demon appears at the window in the house of lysander lelius aside a figure issues from it whose dim presence i distinguish floris aside through the darkness i can there perceive some person demon aside for the many persecutions or justina's head impending her pure honour to defame thus i make a bold commencement he descends by a ladder lelius aside but oh woe what's this i witness floris aside what do i see oh wretched wretched from the balcony to the ground the dark figure has descended from her house a man comes forth jealousy kill me not preserve me till i discover who he is i will try to intercept him and find out at once who thus tastes the bliss i've lost for ever they advance with drawn swords to recognize the person who has descended demon aside not alone justina's fame do i by this act discredit but dissensions perhaps murders thus provoke ope earth's dark centre and receive me leaving here this confusion he disappears between floris and lelius who meet together scene thirteen floris and lelius sir whoever you may be it doth import me to know who you are directly so at every risk i come here on this resolute quest determined say who you are if the accident of my having been the observer of your secret love compels you to this valorous aggression more than it can concern me to know it doth concern me to know you for to be curious is far less than to be jealous yes by heaven for who is master of the house have i to learn here who it is at such an hour by this balcony ascending gaineth that which i lose weeping at these gratings this excelleth good in faith it is thus to dim the clear light of my resentment by attributing to me that which solely your offence is who you are i have to know death to him who has left me dead with jealousy here by coming from this balcony how excessive how superfluous is this caution 
proving what it would dissemble. Vainly would the tongue untangle that which the keen sword can better thus cut through. With it I answer! They fight. In this way I'll know for certain who is the admitted lover of Justina. My intention is the same. I'll die or know you. Scene 14. Enter Cyprian, Moscon, and Clarion. Gentlemen, I pray you let me interpose in this your quarrel, since by accident I am present. You cannot oblige me more than by letting the fight be ended. Florus? Yes, for sword in hand, I my name deny not ever to who asks. I'm at your side, death to him who would offend you. You produce in me less fear, both of you thus joined together, than did he alone. What? Lelius? Yes. Cyprian to Florus. I am prevented now from standing at your side, since between you I present me. How is this, in one day twice, have I your disputes to settle? Then this time will be the last, for we've settled them already, since in knowing who he is, who Justina's heart possesses, now no more my hope remaineth, even the thought of it hath left me. If you have not to Justina spoken yet, do not address her. This I ask you in the name of my wrongs and my resentments. Having seen her secret favors, Flora's happier fate deserveth. From this balcony I saw him, from my lost delight descending, and my heart is not so base as to meanly love, in presence of such jealousies so well proved, of delusions, ah, so certain. Exit. Stay. Scene 15. You must not follow him. Aside. Oh, this news with death overwhelms me, since if he who is the loser of what you have gained expressly says he would forget it, you should not try his patient temper. Both by you and him at once has mine own been too well tested. Speak not now unto Justina about me, for though full vengeance I propose to take for being thus supplanted and rejected, every hope of her being mine now has ceased, for shameful were it, in the face of such proved facts, to persist in my addresses. Exit. Scene 16. Cyprian, Moscon, and Clarin. Cyprian aside. What is this, O heavens, I hear? Can it be the two are jealous of each other at one time, and I too of both together? Doubtless from some strange delusion, the two suffer, which I welcome, with a sort of satisfaction, for to it I am indebted, for the fact of their desisting, from their suit and their pretension. Moscon, have for me by morning a rich court suit, sword and feathers. Clarin, be thy care, for love in a certain airy splendour takes delight, for now no longer books or studies give me pleasure. Love, they say, doth murder mind. Learning dies when he is present. Excellent. End of Act 1